Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Wednesday, April 22nd. My name is Javier Reyes, your host of this year's Lockdown Padres podcast. Check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javipeno, spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, for those who are curious. Both of those accounts, of course, got a lot of good things, and occasionally some, you know, not so good things, but we don't talk about those things now, do we? Feel free to follow those, and if you feel so inclined, also remember to hit me up on there with any questions you might have, as well as the Gmail, which is LockedOnPadres at gmail.com, maybe for, for some more detailed, in-depth questions you might have, and I'll do my very best, very, very best to answer them here on the show. And boy, ladies and gentlemen, what a show we have for you today. Well, at least somewhat. I'm back talking just to myself, and... To this this week, kind of the lockdown community, we're 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 focusing on some some highlights of 2019, and I figured let me do my own take on that. Let me just talk about what I feel is the big highlight of the Padres 2019 season, and it's kind of an obvious one. If it wasn't obvious already by the 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 damn title of today's podcast, I want to talk about Fernando Tatis, who I think is basically when you think about the 2019 Padres season, aside from losses and despite the fact that there were players who went into a slump akin to I don't know animals hibernating before or during winter or whatever with guys like Machado and Hosmer and Will Myers and all these guys, Tatis was kind of the lone objectively awesome thing that happened. And I wanted to talk about that a little bit. But first, I wanted to talk about a report that kind of came out yesterday. It was from from Baseball America, and it's a little bit of just, just news, and any news I feel like is worth talking about these days when it comes to baseball. And I'm just going to read a little bit of an article It was first reported by Baseball America by J.J. Cooper, and I'm just going to read the beginning of it because I'm not as fluent in these type of things, and I don't want to get anything wrong. So here we go, guys. When Major League Baseball proposed to Minor League Baseball last year its plan to cut the minor league teams from 160 to 120 affiliated teams in negotiations for a new professional baseball agreement, such a proposal was greeted by many minor league baseball teams as unthinkable. Of course, the world has changed dramatically over the past six months, especially now that the coronavirus pandemic has halted sports. When Major League Baseball and minor league baseball negotiators convene on a teleconference on Wednesday, multiple sources with knowledge of the negotiations say minor league baseball will indicate that it agrees to 120 affiliated teams and a new PBA. Such a concession by minor league baseball would, could be a clear step toward a new deal. Minor League Baseball has now agreed to find ways to come to agreement on almost all of MLB's public demands. Now the open question is whether Major League Baseball will be willing to to accept the concession as a foundation for a potential deal. According to a source with insight into the thinking of both parties, Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball have already found common ground on a number of the major outstanding issues that the MLB Deputy Commissioner Dan Hallam laid out publicly in a letter to members of Congress last November. Neither... Major League Baseball or Minor League Baseball would comment, comment publicly about ongoing negotiations. Of course, there were some there were some statements releasing later. Now I'm just reading myself. That's just kind of a, a, the the easy way to put it. Basically, you know, this has kind of been talked about. This has been a the elephant in the room when it comes to baseball. Aside from things like the Astros and the the Red Sox at the time of this recording, actually, I just got an alert that they announced their punishment, which includes the suspension of Alex Cora for the rest of the twenty. 20- 20 season and 
Apparently, the main culprit was a video operator for them, and Boston is losing their 2020 second-round pick, that according to The Athletic. Uh, so don't really have any thoughts on that. I guess you would have to go listen to Gabrielle of Locked On Red Sox if you really want to get um, more impact on that, because I'm sure she must be fired up to talk about this. So, t- so I would look out for that, guys. Um, but back to the minor league baseball thing. I don't really have a lot of thoughts on this other than I've said this before. Just in general, we're in really weird times, and I'm hesitant to attack anybody for the decisions that are made because we're just in this unbelievable kind of zone area sphere where we never, you know, it's it's unprecedented to put it simply. And you know, business is not booming, I guess you could say, and there is no sports going on. The biggest, the closest thing we have to sports really is the. Um, is, is The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary, which I actually wrote like a little opinion piece actually actually today. But that's basically the closest we have. And then there was the WNBA draft last week, which for some reason ESPN was hell-bent on making sure they didn't advertise whatsoever. Shout out Mike Wilbon. He's a jerk. Um, <laughs> I'm getting really off track. Uh, yep, you're listening to the Locked Up Padres podcast with me guys still. Don't worry. I'm still getting as off track as I always am. But anyway, I think that this is one of those things that I don't love, obviously. I don't like, obviously. If it means maybe getting more guaranteed minimums for minor league players and such, that's cool. It it could help them, but it's one of those sacrifice of many to help a few type of scenarios that I'm, or fewer, I should say, that I'm a little worried about and I'm, I'm hesitant to kind of give an opinion on it. And in general, it's sad because there are some places where it might not seem so if you're someone who lives in New York or like New York City, you know what I mean? You're like part of like these main kind of flagship cities that this might not affect you as much. But there are some places I can imagine that minor league teams are kind of one of their their main uh, sources of baseball or of some sort of pro uh, baseball aside from just high school and college type of stuff, you know what I mean? And from that perspective, it's a little sad, and I, I, I do feel sorry about this. And this is definitely one of those stories that we'll have to keep an eye on going forward. And I plan to. And I think that a lot of people will should keep an eye on it, too. But, yeah, it's not really one of those stories that I'm <laughs> glad to talk about. Uh, but I don't want to jump on either side of the spectrum. I know this is the hot take era, but I don't really have one for you guys. But I just wanted to talk about that really quickly. And now let's but let's let's just let's just go. Okay, enough. Enough of the enough of the the down talk. <laughs> the the downer talk, right? Let's talk about 2019. The 2019 season for the Padres, as I've mentioned many times, bottom eight record, only 70 wins widely regarded as many people to be a disappointment. And that's true. There was a lot of people that hit a slump. There were injuries with Nelson Lament. There were guys who were traded, Frenmil Reyes. There was just a lot of weird stuff. And Manny Machado didn't have as great of a season as he would have liked. And Eric Hosmer looked like he might finally prove a little bit up to worthy of the contract that he got. And then he just kind of, that completely fell off a cliff. And despite all that, There was one, I think, objective positive about last year in terms of an overall narrative and an overall storyline, too, that we kind of kept track of. Aside from, you know, like I talked about a few weeks ago with the the game against the Rockies, the big comeback game with the three home runs from Hunter Renfro, right? And that is the omnipotent omnipotence of the the power, the 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 gargantuan. I can't even speak. 
when I talk about this guy because he's so breathtaking, and that's Fernando Tatis Jr., of course. He bursted onto the scene and made his presence known better than most baseball players that I think we've seen in a while. Not just because of his numbers, but because of his play style, because of his personality, and just the fact that he's on the Padres and that he's kind of, in a lot of ways, he is kind of the Luke Skywalker. You know, to do a little bit of a Star Wars thing. It's this new guy for a franchise that has been a little bit of a drought. Actually, in a lot of a drought. And people have been waiting for that big next player. A lot of people expected it to be Machado. And it still very well could be Machado. But Tatis is this young up-and-comer who might be just already, if you look at what happened last year, one of the best players in the game. Unlike other players on the team, like, say, the aforementioned Hunter Renfro, who is basically only on a granular scale good at one thing Fernando Tatis Jr. was the full package yes guys that's right the sound bites are back (laughs) and it's funny because I remember there was a story on Tatis from ESPN by Sam Miller that called him like one of the the most watchable that's what they call him in all caps like the most watchable player and perhaps the most exciting player in all of baseball And he proceeded to then give other examples from each season from when Tatis was born, like from after that, right? After 90, uh, like 99, I believe. I'm getting it wrong. I know he's 2021. I'm glitching on math right now. And talking about other players that were just as exciting from each season. Guys like fellow Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican power! Uh, uh, Ivan Pud Rodriguez, Omar Vizquel, Ichiro Suzuki, and Shohei Otani, among many others. I really recommend checking out that article. It's fun. A little bit of a, a history, a historical piece. Especially, it's fun for me because it's not like I'm too far removed from those players when they played. Um, I got to see most of them play at some point or another. And I think that, really, when I, when I think about Fernando Tatis, I think there might be one play that best summarizes his 2019 season. At least this is for me. And that's one that came against the Giants, the middling, the mediocre, the deplorable in a lot of ways as a team, not as a likable team, uh, San Francisco Giants. It was when pitcher Sean Anderson nearly took Tatis's head off with a pitch. Not intentionally, ball got out of control there, and it almost hit him, and Tatis, it, it sent him to the floor in order to in order to evade it, right? And then immediately the next pitch, he took the guy to deep center for a two-run home run and what was his 17th home run of the year that to me is what the story the anecdote of what i would say really epitomized the 2019 season for Fernando tatis and basically for all the padres in terms of just good things that happened right and if you look at his let's just talk about his numbers from afar right obviously everybody knows he was quite good <laughs> okay so if you owned him in fantasy by the way congratulations just looking at the numbers batted 317 with an on base of 379 ops of over 950 969 to be exact had 13 doubles six triples and 13 doubles is only like like uh eight less than manny machado had last year and that this is only in 84 games right and he also managed to steal a bunch of bases too 16 um was caught stealing six times but still and Really, I think that the numbers, this is one of those guys where the numbers are impressive. Do not get me wrong. These are absolutely unreal numbers, especially given that it was just 84 games. But I think that what's great about Tatis is that it was just a roller coaster ride in every aspect. We, we, from, from his first home run against the Diamondbacks to actually his just first hit. And it came on his first at bat, which was, which was really exciting, which was another thing against the Giants that happened. And... Really, the season reminded me as a whole, if I, I were to describe it, 
I would describe it as it reminded me of Chris Bryant and Francisco Lindor when they first came up. Chris Bryant especially so because of the whole, you know, weird super two rule thing that's going on with with baseball where you can kind of manipulate the system and if you send a guy back down to and I say this in air quotes improve their defense and give them more reps you basically get another year of control it's a completely ridiculous rule that I think the all teams and they probably should take advantage of but it really needs to be fixed and I imagine that in the next collective bargaining kind of agreement there might be something worked out but I remember Chris Bryant was this storyline right he was this big story to follow for the basically the whole year and it's it's really it's reminiscent of that, and people talked about it. Everybody was like, this is the next big guy for the Cubs. And the Cubs, another team, just like the Padres, a huge uh, World Series drought. And then this guy, Chris Bryant's coming up, and everyone's like, trust me, this is the one. This is the guy, and he's batting like 450 in spring training or something like that. And it reminds me a lot like that. Chris Bryant, of course, went on to have a, a very solid rookie season with a, a batting average of around 270 with like 27-ish home runs around that range. He was very solid, good defensively, just a, a great player. And that's what was so exciting about Tatis is he was basically good throughout the entire season. There was never a moment that it felt like you couldn't count on the guy. And really quickly, let's take a break on that note to talk about something else you can count on. And that's Postmates. That's right, guys. How great was that little transition there? If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates. But I kind of love them even more right now because I can get food delivered without leaving the house or even opening the door. Given what's going on in the world, they created non-contact deliveries. So now when I order from local restaurants, everything gets left right outside my door. They also have Postmates pickup, which I've seen been used, uh, which I have been using, I should say, to order takeout from my favorite local restaurants. Listen up. You guys need to be supporting your local neighborhood spots right now. I've been only been ordering local because it's a great way to support my community. Trust me, the pizza places around here, guys, and honestly, maybe you West Coast folk out there that are listening can't necessarily relate. The pizza down here is always good. No matter where you get it from, there's a, especially in New York and I live in New Jersey, but still we've got all types of places here in Morristown that I appreciate so much. And I'm always ordering from there. And this is really what's helped me do that. And Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi or aforementioned pizza. They actually make my life easier by picking up everything I need from Walgreens and 7-Eleven and dropping it off outside my door. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you first download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. But now, continuing, guys, sorry for that sudden kind of ad break there, but you know how we do it here. And just getting back on the Fernando Tatis thing and talking about some other things, and I was saying how reliable he was. And in such a, a short amount of time, right? I mean, get, I, I already read the numbers, and if you you kind of expanded that, if you did the projections, and I don't, I've talked about how before how I don't like doing the whole uh, rounding uh, stats to a complete season. But if you did that, just to give some context, he would have had like 40 homers and 35 steals, 130 runs scored, and that's pretty amazing. And also, as a leadoff man, he ran like 95 RBIs, which is really impressive and just goes to show you, you know, how, how amazing of a season he had. 
He also led all rookies in baseball reference war, despite the lack this lack of time. And it's remarkable, really, because not only was Tatis one of the singular best things about the Padres last season, but all of baseball, representing a league-wide sensation and turnover to a new age of superstars with Ronald Acuna Jr. and Juan Soto being some other uh, notable names that I would bring up there. And there was a point last season, just talking more about my, my like favorite moments, uh, on July 2nd, actually, in fact, where he made the hardest throw by a shortstop all season, and it clocked in at 94 miles an hour. It was just a, a breathtaking watch and a nice grab by Hosmer, a, a rare nice defensive play, maybe you could say, by Eric Hosmer. No, no offense or kind of offense, but you know what I'm saying. And a lot of his... Errors last season, what's funny is given that amazing play and people know him for his, his outstanding arm strength, it's funny that a lot of his errors last season actually came from his throws, a little bit some erratic throws, which is a little odd but might just be a little bit of a fluke in my opinion, but it also bodes well in a way because at least he wasn't making mistakes defensively in terms of just fielding the ball, and which is what he excels at so much. Um, and this same game was also the game, if I'm not mistaken, where he scored on a pop five from second base. It's funny because this is one of those guys who really is, to, to describe him the best way, you kind of just need to watch him. There's nothing I almost can say on this podcast that's going to be almost worthy enough of the, the gravitas and the electric kind of electricity uh, that was Fernando Tatis. That's a weird way I phrased that, but still. And... You know, you compare him to the rest of the players in the game, and it's funny because I actually, in the earlier days of the podcast, I did a fantasy minute discussing how I would be cautious on drafting Fernando Tatis, given this this small sample size and his kind of troublesome strikeout rate, which is, was hovering around like 29.6-ish percent. Maybe I'm getting a little bit of those numbers mixed up, but it was really high, and that's not just high for a shortstop, that's just kind of high for any player in baseball. But really, it's... Like, like I've said many times, he just was kind of this this awesome new hope, and he was super exciting for all of the game to see, and it's kind of, I would argue, even more interesting that he comes from the Padres, not just because this is a Padres podcast, but because this isn't some big, big league team, or I should say not big league team, but this isn't some well-known, talked about all the time on ESPN type of team. This is a team that is kind of a small market. And San Diego, a lot of times, isn't necessarily known as a big sports town. They aren't always uh, talking about sports the most there. But this is still a guy that, even despite all of that, was talked about him, like, just a ton. And he's up there with, you know, Glaber Torres and other, 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 you know, infielders. And actually, just to compare him to, it's funny, I wanted to compare him to some, like, other shortstops in the game. And, you know, there there are some elite ones at the top, right? You got Francisco Lindor, who's still probably the premier number one shortstop in the game. Great on both sides of the ball. And also fellow Puerto Rican Francisco Lindor, I should have said before that. And then there's other guys like Javi Baez, who was also really great last season. And although maybe slightly, slightly overrated as an offensive player and... You know, that's that's a little bit subjective on my part. I just don't think he walks quite enough, and I think the batting average can be a little misleading. I think he gets a little bit lucky with some of his his hits and getting on base. One thing for sure is he still is good offensively, and he's great defensively. So it kind of, he's just this double-sided player. And then you've got guys like Xander Bogarts, who was awesome last year. Maybe not as 
good as a defensive player as the two that I just mentioned, or even Tatis in limited time, but his offense was awesome last year. It was kind of the first time he broke out for the Red Sox in terms of his, his offense. And then Trevor Story, who his offensive numbers, some could argue, may be inflated due to course field, but still, he's also good defensively. Another really uh, top shortstop on the team. Love him, except for the fact that he was bad the one year I drafted him in fantasy baseball, which I still haven't forgiven. And then there's the, of course, Mr. Trey Turner of the Washington Nationals, I think is kind of another infielder shortstop. I know he kind of goes, plays second a little bit sometimes. That comes to mind. And I actually think that Trey Turner, funny enough, just to go and think about him, hasn't actually shown us the best of what he's capable of, you know, at this point. I think he's had a lot of injury kind of history, you know, to say. And what's interesting, and I want to zone in on Trey Turner for a second, because Trey Turner is a little bit infamous among Padres fans, because, of course, infamously, they traded him in order to get Will Myers, which turned out to be, hmm... How do I put this? Not great. <laughs> Not great. Even though I'm a little bit optimistic about uh, 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 Will Myers' season um, for, for, for 2020 and that he might have a little bit of a bounce back. Who knows? Because, you know, I think he's starting to just adjust. And this is a human game. And you never know if people have a little bit of a bounce back. But also, it's funny because there was that season when the Padres basically traded everything for... Like these these solid players, right? That was Matt Kemp, that was Justin Upton, Craig Kimbrell, guys like that. And it really didn't pan out too well. But then there was also the wonderful trade uh, to the White Sox, which was James Shields for Mr. Fernando Tatis. And that's how we got him in the first place. And it's, it's funny how these two star kind of shortstops are both players that the, the Padres had at one point, had some control of at one point. You know, Tatis obviously being the one right now, and then Trey Turner is the one that they used to have. I talked a lot about this podcast and how AJ Preller's been able to like recover very quickly. Uh, maybe, maybe luckily in some ways uh, that Tatis turned out to be so so incredible so quickly from maybe bad moves and bad trades. You know, he signs guys like Eric Hosmer, but then he's able to get Manny Machado. He makes the mistake of maybe extending Will Myers to a contract, but then you have this great farm system, and then he makes a trade for Tommy Pham, and then he makes these these bullpen moves, right? So it's it's interesting, and it's interesting that they would give up one of those premier type of talent young players in Trey Turner, and you're looking back and you're like, well, it didn't kill us. At least Trey Turner isn't a an MVP candidate, and at least we got our own superstar shortstop. And that's what I feel like is one of the things that really stuck out the most about 2019. It's everything for Nano Tatis, man. And I know that that's like the ultimate easy cop-out answer. If I was talking about my favorite moments, you know, Obviously, you talk about Fernando Tatis, but it's true, and I just think that, you know, the the plays that he made, the the hustle, the the his speed on the base paths, his remarkable base running skills, really, as, as I mentioned with the the pop out to second, uh, the pop out, and he scored from second base, and just his he had like a swagger to him. I mean, even his Instagram is entertaining, guys. This is just one of those guys that's one of those premier talents that overcomes the fact that he plays for the Padres, a kind of a local, uh, smaller market team. He overcomes that. He's super exciting, and he's really indicative of kind of this new wave of superstar players. And that is why I wanted to talk about it today. He is Padres baseball at its finest. He is baseball at its finest. And I kind of want to leave it there, guys. 
just to, to end it there. I'm curious, do you guys have any particular favorite plays from Fernando Tatis? I'm sure there are some home runs that I that I missed. Probably his first one I should have talked about more. Some some other plays, the the great game winning, uh, or I should say, lead stealing. What's the word? Uh, uh, the go ahead run against the Rockies, the ginormous comeback. That was a big moment, right? It's just I, I'd be curious. What is what are some of your favorite things that happen in terms of the not only just Fernando Tatis but the Padres in general last year? I'd love to hear them. Please send me any messages you'd like. Um, in terms of the rest of the week, guys, tomorrow, tomorrow is a very very fun episode. It is me, Gabrielle Starr, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, and I hope I, that's how you say her last name um, of Locked On Red Sox and John Chick of Locked On. New York Rangers from the NHL team, of course, we're doing a giant movie bracket, uh, sports movie bracket. And it's it's this bracket that we were sent, and we decided that we would talk about it and talk about some of the matchups on it. I'll tweet out like the, a link to the podcast tomorrow on my feed. You can also... Uh, I'll also have a picture of the bracket so you guys understand. And it's really just a blast, and I just feel like it's one of those things that's going to be really fun. And I'm planning, and I think along with Gabrielle and John, we're all planning to maybe do one part at a time per week to kind of extend this. This could be our own last dance, one one giant kind of event thing that everyone's looking forward to each week. But I, I really do think you guys are going to join, and I know it was a lot of fun to record. And also on Friday, I actually recorded today with Kevin Ace, uh, AC, I'm sorry, of the San Diego Union Tribune, and it was an absolute blast of a conversation. There'll be two parts to that thing, and we talked all-time Padres stuff. We talked really fun anecdotes. Uh, Kevin gave some of his favorite underrated Padres and talked about you, you know people that you 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 might not uh, ex- have expected. It was a really fun conversation. And then, of course, we talked about the team in general uh, of 2019, kind of his favorite moments and how he feels like what encapsulated the year the most and i really think you guys are gonna have that fun with that conversation i seriously had a blast guys trust me it was awesome like i cannot state enough uh kevin was just an awesome guest and uh i'm definitely gonna try and have him on the podcast again but with all that being said with all that being said everyone that is it for today's edition of the lockdown padres podcast the only pod that may be better than the padres themselves Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow the show or myself on Twitter. And also, if you guys would do me a favor to and you could uh, use your smart devices to check out Locked On MLB, hosted by my man Sully, who is doing as good work as always. And he posts like basically every day. So definitely check that out. Unlike myself, who got a little bit late. You know, I know it's Wednesday. I didn't do a podcast yet, but don't worry, guys. I'm, I'm catching up. Uh, and until next time, of course, stay safe. And as always, stay faithful. My Friar Faithful homies, take care.